Hi, my name is Leila. I'm the founder of Dietitian Your Way, a dietitian network empowering dietitians, nourishing communities. Today, we're speaking to Melissa. She is an award-winning integrative dietitian and founder of the Hormone Dietitian, LLC. She helps busy women with hormone imbalances, PCOS, and fertility issues to regain regular symptom-free periods and get pregnant naturally. She uses a functional medicine approach to identify and address the root causes of symptoms with a personalized nutrition supplement and lifestyle plan to balance hormones and optimize fertility. Melissa and I actually recently connected at Fancy, the Food and Nutrition Conference Expo, and I had the pleasure to meet her in person. Finally, after so many years, I'd been following her for a while, so I'm a pretty big fan. She brings a lot of hope and solutions for women who are struggling with hormonal imbalances. Thank you so much for hopping on with me today. Um, I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for having me. And the admiration is mutual. And I think that what you are doing is so, so important. So happy to be a small part of that. I appreciate that. Thank you. Let's start off with why did you become a dietitian? Yeah. So I don't know how much you know about my backstory, but I went to college in New York and I stayed in New York City and I was working in pharmaceutical advertising as oh. a copywriter. So I had a, a dance and writing background, uh, somehow ended up in this highly medical field and realized that I actually really enjoyed science. Like I really enjoyed learning the pathways. I was working in oncology, targeted oncology therapies. So I never knew I liked science. I don't know how much you know about the advertising world, but it really is what you see on TV. Um, if you think about Mad Men, you know, and just the parties and the drinking. And oh, okay. And the 90 hour work weeks, like 90 hours was oh my gosh, a pretty consistent work week for me. So you know, even though I was good at it and I was, you know, in high demand and really was kind of living the life in New York City, yeah. so burned out, so, yeah. so burned out. You know, they they basically are in charge of your whole life. You know, oh it's gosh. Like you try to make weekend plans. They are like, well, we need you to go to Oklahoma this weekend. And you're like, can I say no? And you can't. Wow. What ended up happening, um, I ran the New York Marathon. In wow. Go you. Yeah, that was my big, like, I wanted to run it at 30, which I didn't quite do. Uh, but I, I got there in 08, and then I was going to run it again. And halfway through the training, I was like, I'm not prepared. And like, I'm not the type of person to do something just to do it. I was yeah. like, I want to do it better than I did it last yeah. time. And, you know, I've been traveling so much and working so late. And so I bailed and I postponed to the next year. So now we're yeah. 2009. And then same thing happened in 2009. And I was like, you know, this is the second time I've had to cancel something that yeah. I actually want to do that's you know, good for my mental and physical health. Yeah. And I had to cancel it because of what? A job? Like, yeah. you know, a job. Why am I doing this? Why am yeah. I expending all of my energy towards making money for pharmaceuticals, basically? Right. Um, right. You know, right. I was working in cancer and that made me feel better about it. Yeah. I'm actually helping people have access to live longer, you know? Yeah. But yeah, so I started thinking like, what could I do differently? And 
knowing that I enjoyed science, looking at, I was sitting in my, my living room in Brooklyn and I had four bookshelves full of cookbooks and food politics and, you know, all sorts of, you know, nutrition books. And I was like, I wonder what it would take. I started going back in 2011. I started with all the prereqs and it took wow. me, yeah, it took me a few years to get there, um, to get another degree in nutrition yeah. and then do the internship and go into nutrition. And I wasn't really sure at that point what I wanted to be doing with nutrition. Um, I knew it was going to be something combining communications and nutrition. Um, I just didn't know what yet until I went through it and figured that all out. And so I wow. ended up working with PCOS primarily because the first client that I had with that, I felt like there wasn't a lot of great recommendations yeah. out there. And yeah that I could serve this community better because what happens is your doctor tells you, oh, just lose weight, just yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you turn to the internet and it's the wild west and it's, you've got to cut out gluten and dairy. Right. And oh and my sugar. gosh, yeah. Okay, there's no evidence behind any of this. So let's come up with a more balanced approach to nutrition. For yeah. Us. And it's been working, you know, it works really well. I love working with that patient community. Um, so that's really how I ended up building my business. That's an amazing and wild ride. Yeah. I, mean, I think the combination though of like communications, advertising and dietetics and nutrition is like, like the best, the best like um, duo there. I think that that's amazing. And I think that we should all go for communications and dietetics mutual degrees because that's basically what we're doing. I think, you know, one of the other things people don't really understand about my business is even though I'm not formally trained in marketing, mm -hmm. I have 15 years of experience yeah. in marketing and strategy yeah. and communications. Yeah. That all plays into the business too. And I'm always asking, you know, people are always asking me, well, how did you build your business? How did yeah. you this and that. And I'm like, I can't really teach you how to, how it's to experience, um, how to go experience yeah. 15 years in New York city yeah. advertising, what that gains you yeah. in terms of, you know, it's a kind of a shortcut to learning how to communicate with people. And your messaging on Instagram and on your website, like everything is very in unison um, mm -hmm. and it's very direct. And, you know, it, it sounds like you're speaking directly to your client. And I think a lot of dietitians, you know, who are up and coming, I think they kind of think, well, how do I get there? Right. Um, and it's like you said, it's a lot of experience, a lot of years of experience, a lot of years of experience, not only in dietetics, but also in communications, advertising, marketing. Right. Um, so I think it's a good like realization of like, Hey, you know, we'll get there, but let's take some time to learn experience and move forward. But yeah, I think, you know, one of the other things that I see a lot is a lot of newer dietitians are kind of looking at other dietitians' websites and seeing yeah. well, how are they saying things and not realizing the market research that went into that, that's the piece that comes from that is why I sound like I'm talking directly to my clients mm -hmm. is because I spent a lot of time talking to my clients. Yes. Yes. Using yes. words that they use. They yes. don't say menstrual cycle irregularity. Yes. They yes. say my periods aren't normal. You know, they're, it's, it's, oh, man. it's using yeah. that, you know, it's so simple, funny. simple yeah. language. 
I um, was talking to another dietitian recently. Um, I was creating a quiz for dietitian your way. And I think one of the words that I used was like eating for my body type. Mm-hmm. She's like, what does that mean? I'm like, I don't know, but it's very trendy right now. <laughs> like, It's very trendy. And those are the key words that you kind of have to learn to use, but it comes with experience. It's not like, oh, it just came out of my my mind or chat GPT. It's literally what people are saying. Yeah. And sometimes it's surprising. I'm not saying, you know, you don't want to treat your audience like they're dumb because they're not. No, definitely not. It's, you know, and some of them, some of them are surprising because I would say something like excess facial hair, just because that's Mm -hmm. my training to break it down and say exactly what it is, but yes. they actually do say hirsutism in my community, like the people who nice. have it. Oh, maybe. yeah, 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 yeah. So it's it's a, it's, it's a fine line and it's listening to them, you know, which is really yes. the theme of everything we're going to talk about today. It's, it's yes. listening to the people you're actually trying yes. to Yes, yes, I agree. Um, and every population has a different demographic and a different thing of what they're looking to do and... Um, so yeah, every population, you know, you kind of have to know your population, do some research and figure out how to speak to them. So yeah, a hundred percent. Okay. So after you graduated from school, how did uh, you develop everything that you are today? How, where did you begin? Yeah. Uh, something that I've been seeing quite often, you know, for newer dietitians, it's not like it used to be. You don't come out of school with your fresh RD and get a full-time job. Yeah. You know, I don't know about you. Yeah. Uh, nobody in my internship program came out and got a single full-time job. So we all oh. were kind of cobbling together, you know. Was this post um, like 2008 recession? This was t- 2016. So Mm. Yeah, it was like that weird where everything, yeah. every hospital job wanted you to have two years of experience. Yeah. Do I get yeah. experience? If I do. So I ended up cobbling together. I had um, 10 hours a week at a local private practice. I had uh, per diem work at a long-term care center. And then I was working as a retail dietitian, which ended up being key to me because retail pays really well. Two days a week of retail, I knew I could start paying my student loans and cover my bills with that, which left me those extra days to work on my business. And that was when I also started writing for Healthline around that time. So, you know, I had all these little pieces of things coming together and I could have kept going with any of them as long as I wanted to. Um, I ended up, my practice ended up taking off quicker than I anticipated. So So I ended up, unfortunately, and I I really enjoyed the retail job. It's so like one of the most fun jobs. Really? I wanted that job for a while. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of good stuff about it. Recipe demos and store tours and helping people shop. And it's, you know, that was just so fun for me. I, I pre-COVID, I loved grocery shopping. Like I love seeing the new products, reading all the ingredients. Like that would be, my husband's a basketball coach. So Friday nights he would have games and I would go do my Trader Joe's therapy on Friday yeah. nights and like, you know, go hang out there for like- I love time. it. I love it. I actually do that on Fridays too. I go to Whole Foods and I'm like, let me see what's up in this market today. <laughs> yeah. And now the masks and all that, like it just, you know, grocery store- panic attacks became a thing. And I was like, I can't, 
I can't do this. So I'll go to like the food co-op, but I won't go to like a big grocery store. I get way too overwhelmed by that now. So really, is it because of because of COVID or? or? It's partly COVID, partly because I am a New Yorker. And so I get really overwhelmed. Like if you want to see me have a full panic attack, put me in a Costco, like a big, (laughs) wide open space. Like I, 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 I'm like frozen on the spot. I'm like, yeah. So what is it about Costco? I think Costco really quickly, Costco has made it so big. I think like the masses, everybody goes to Costco and I, and I love it. They have amazing selection, but yes, it's huge. And every single time you go there, it's like Disney world inside of there. Yeah. It's like you you can buy frozen fruit and a TV and a sweater. (laughs) Like it's way too much for me. I'm yeah. Very cool. <laughs> Tell me a little bit about what you're currently doing um, as an integrative dietitian. Now I live in New Hampshire. I moved up here to finish off school, met my husband, and so we're here. I work entirely from home, um, entirely virtually, licensed in all the surrounding states because we're very close up here. You know, yeah. state is 10 minutes away. And I do primarily online one-on-one programs, um, sort of high-end one-on-one programs that include functional lab testing. I'm looking at the root causes of PCOS and hormone imbalances. I do group coaching programs, which are more the educational piece around how to eat, how to exercise, what supplements to take um, with the group coaching piece attached to that. Their online course, you can take separately from working with me. So Mm -hmm. that works, you know, no matter what state you're in, you can take the course. I have some smaller, you know, mini courses. Then I have a cookbook, my cookbook. Wow. In 20. Yeah. And I was doing that in our teeny little two bedroom apartment (laughs) where we were living when I was going to school. Uh, So I ended up doing the whole cookbook in that tiny kitchen. So cool. Um, And then a podcast, which hopefully season two will, will be coming back soon. I just, I have some some episodes banked. I just need to get them edited and posted yeah. and all of that. You know, there's never enough time to do all the things. Oh, I do. I know. Entrepreneurship is a never ending uh, to do list. I do some speaking. I do some brand work. Um, I'm very, very involved with the DIFM, DPG, so Dietitians in Integrative and Functional Medicine. I've been on that board for six years now. So I'm actually their communications chair this year, but I was uh, chair two years ago. Um, I've been social media chair for them. So I do a lot of work with that group. That's really kind of my, my dietitian home base. Yeah, I love it so much. I feel like I have questions about a lot of different um, aspects of your business. How do you make it all happen? Like, how do you organize yourself? Yeah, um, kind of, uh, I like some structure, but I don't like to be overscheduled. I'm the, again, with the panic text, like if I open my calendar and there's like 30 appointments, I I'm just like, what even is this? And my practice has gotten to that at some points. And I'm like, I have to scale this way back because this is too much. I have sort of dedicated days, you know, um, this day is for seeing clients. These two days are for meetings and possibly client overflow um, and content creation and admin day. And then Fridays, I try to wrap up some 
ends and then try to end early on Fridays. That's been my goal for the past couple of years. So Very nice. I can do something personal in the afternoon, whether that's grocery shopping <laughs> or, um, you know, just something fun, coffee yeah. with a friend or something. I love that. I love that. What's your favorite part of your business? Uh, uh, the content creation. I, I am happy as a clam um, sitting here creating content. I also really do enjoy, you know, figuring out the puzzles. So looking at someone's labs and figuring out what's causing them to feel the okay. way that they do, like, you know, and identifying things that often no other health practitioner has been able to connect the dots on for them before. And I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, this is why this is happening. You know how to fix it, you know? So that's, yeah. that's always super rewarding as well. I love that. And so with your background in integrative medicine or integrative nutrition, like what schooling did you do or certificates uh, programs did you do to um, get that background? Yeah, it's a little bit of uh, self-education, um, yep. to be Definitely. honest. I did, uh, I'm not going to name the program, prior to becoming a dietitian in 2000, I did a program that's very well known for health coaching, and it was still in person in those days in New York City. So I attended that. And so I had always been, you know, attracted to a more natural approach to yeah. healing, you know, understanding that nutrition and lifestyle play a huge role in our health. Yeah. Um, and then you know, go through the formal schooling. Um, I actually was pretty lucky because I went to the University of New Hampshire and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to tell people to take Ensure and do all these things that I don't agree with. Right. But we're very uh, farm to table sustainability focused up here in New cool. York. My internship was actually sustainability focused. So you know, a lot about that. So, so it, it wasn't as nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. There were not as many times where I'd had to bite my tongue on things I didn't agree with. Um, and then just you know, self self learning, you know, seeking out the information that I wanted to learn and finding where I can learn that and yeah. what people are doing. To be honest, a lot of the methods that I use with people with PCOS are my own after having sort of filtered through the research, tested yep. things in practice, figuring out, is this even, you know, because there's some great research on things that seem to have a lot of efficacy, but then you try them in practice and it's like, nobody could ever stick to this. There's, yeah. it's not sustainable. So if it's not sustainable, then I'm not going to recommend it. Amazing. And I think that's a piece that a lot of people miss out on is the sustainability in the long term, right? Can you sustain this? Because that's part of the reason where it's like, okay, I've been to this person, I've been to that person and, you know, they put me on this diet and put me on that diet and sure it worked for one month and then I was off of it and then all the symptoms came back, right? And how many times have we heard this over and over, right? It's really nice that you mentioned that part of sustainability because it's so important that a person can live their lives, you know, how they please, right? And feel like they can do this for the long run. Yeah, actually, my um, physical therapist, she's amazing, um, Dr. Jocelyn Wallace. She's a pelvic floor physical therapist. Uh, she had just posted this past week, and it, it really resonated with me, this idea that someone can decide to exercise, right? Mm -hmm. They'll work out for five days, and they'll mm -hmm. sustain it for one week. Mm -hmm. And 
four months later, they'll do that again, five days for one week and then five days for, where someone who sets out at the beginning of the year to work out twice a week consistently mm-hmm. at the end of the year, they're going to have worked out more times, multiple times more yes. than the person who's all gone mm-hmm. about it. So, you know, we have to really think about consistency. Consistency and, mm-hmm. and diet is the same. You know, you can't cut all your favorite foods and expect yeah. to stick with that for a lifetime because, right. you know, what is willpower? Like that's, you know, not discipline. That's not needed. <laughs> as soon as we get tired, as soon as you get stressed, that's going to go out the window. Yep. So, yep. yeah, we have to yep. figure out what works even when we're busy. Very cool. Very cool. So, you know, um, I think most dietitians and I think, not most, but I would say a good quantity of us. I think what you were mentioning, it's like, you know, uh, learning through research studies or learning just through your own research. And I think that's what a lot of us do, right? Because a lot of us don't get handed a book on like, here, this is what you do for, you know, this diagnosis, right? Some of some of them, of course you do. But when you talk about like PCOS, we weren't, you know, taught what to do. And actually, I don't think PCOS, and that's one of the questions I want to ask you, PCOS 10, 15 years ago, I feel like that was like a very random, unknown diagnosis. Am I wrong for saying that? Because I feel like it was. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it, it was identified in 1935. Um, I honestly think it's a good thing um, as awareness is being raised mm-hmm. and diagnosis rates are going up. But I do think that it's, women who are my age, who now have teenage daughters, who are much more outspoken about these kind of things. I mean, my mom didn't talk to me about periods. She handed me a book and came back an hour later and she said, you don't have any questions, do you? And I was like, nope, all good. You know, same with the second book. Like I got the the two books and it was like, you don't have questions, right? I'm like, nope, all good. Um, We're now, you know, moms and daughters tend to be a little more communicative about what's going on. And I think, you know, the moms who are Gen X or now like elder millennial moms, the second that anything is amiss, they're like, we are going to the gynecologist and get it checked out. Which is great. You know, it's a little bit more of a, a... forward thinking and actionable sort of group that we have now. So it is getting diagnosed more. You know, I think it's getting overdiagnosed as well, uh, which is kind of a problem um, because there's all these criteria that you have to meet to be diagnosed. And I I do think it gets overdiagnosed in some populations. Who, which uh, medical doctor would be the one to diagnose it? A PCP or an endocrinologist? Sometimes a PCP, usually they refer to a GYN, um, rarely refer to an endocrinologist unless there's already diabetes or a thyroid issues. Sometimes, and I see this a lot in my population, is the women who are in their early 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, they went on the pill in high mm-hmm. school. Uh, everything was fine. You know, didn't think about anything, went off the pill to try to get pregnant. And that's when they're getting diagnosed by a reproductive endocrinologist. So they're seeking fertility care. And that's what's triggering the diagnosis because they didn't think they had a problem. They, you know, maybe they had acne as a teenager. I always ask, why did you go on the pill? Because if it was for irregular cycles Uh with acne, chances are that PCOS has been there all along. Just silent. Mm-hmm. Wow. Amazing. 
That is really, really cool. Really annoying, but really, really cool to hear. Yeah. Like really go in depth with the person and to really, like you said in your website, to go into the root cause. And I think that's something that we don't do here in America. I really don't think that we think about how did I get here and why did I get here and what caused this? It's usually like, here's a diagnosis. Yeah, I actually, I shared my office uh, when I was, when I lived on the coast, I shared my office with a doctor of Chinese medicine and it was really interesting. And, you know, I've seen this here, you know, just as an example of the cultural differences is here, we don't learn about tracking our body temperature, our basal body temperature, unless we're trying to get pregnant. You know, we don't learn how to chart our cycles unless we're trying to get pregnant and there is an issue. Whereas in China, young girls are taught how to track their cycles and they bring those charts to their doctors and the doctors look at them and say, oh, you know, there might be a problem here. So, you know, it's just it's seen as, you know, vital information that is just part of our vital signs and what's going yeah. on inside. It's very different because here in the US, there's a lot of anxiety about tracking cycles because it's so tied to why am I not getting pregnant? So let's kind of go on to dietitian your way and then see your profile. You know, I think um, talking to other dietitians, I think that everything is, is sort of do it yourself and figure it out. Um, You know, I'm sure you've had to go through this with your business. It's like, if you don't know something, just Google it. Like, how do, I'm always Googling, how do I, and the, you know, insert the name of the software or, you know, I'm a very old person on social media, I feel like. And I'm often Googling, how do I make the blah trend on TikTok? You know, (laughs) there's information out there, you know, everything's been, done you know so it's just a matter of finding the right places i agree and there's so much information out there nowadays right where it's like if we don't know how to do something i'm sure you can find out where to find that information or which is pretty important too it's also like you know getting involved with a community a support in a community a community or support group that can help you as well this is melissa's um, profile on dietitian your way um, so her um, her about me is award-winning integrative women's health and hormone dietitian specializing in PCOS, hormone imbalance, and fertility. She has a virtual private practice, like she said, and she also has courses and her cookbooks, podcast hosts. She does brand work, blogging, and social media. Definitely follow her on social media. She also serves Uh, adolescents and teenagers, not only adults. And she has um, individual and group coaching. She um, is also allied with communities and has different populations that she works with as well. Very cool. And she also has awards, Emerging Women's Health Dietitian in 2019 and Food Minds Upward in 2019. Very cool. And here are the service areas and where she is able to provide her services. Yes. And the courses are everywhere. So you can take a course uh, even outside the U.S. Uh, It's just the the one-on-one and group programs 
or it's sort of tied to licensure and certification. <laughs> right. I love that um, you offer different types of um, services for different budgets and also um, for different constraints, right? So like you said, if for some reason, you know, you're not licensed in a state that a person needs help, they can take a course. So for those who don't know, as dietitians, we are licensed in certain states, which means that we can only practice in those states. Very cool. Yeah, it's very important to me to include a range of services. Um, you know, unfortunately, with the functional lab testing, they're expensive. So that's a large part of why, you know, because I feel like if I don't have those, I can't yeah. fully identify the root causes. So that's just the way I work best one-on-one -on -one with someone is to really go deep. Um, so that's why, like, that's the highest level. But then if you, you know, can't afford that, but you want access to me, then the group coaching. And then if you just want the information, then I have, you know, a $47 course or... Yeah have um, my, book, my book is, you know, available. And obviously all the free work I do on Instagram and my blog as well and the podcast. And the well. podcast. Yeah. You yeah. have a little, a lot of really good hot topics on the podcast. I saw the last one that you put on there was about um, breast cancer nutrition, which is a hot topic. I think a lot of people who go through breast cancer, I've had a couple of patients myself and it's always a question of like, you know, can I have sugar? Can I not have sugar? Right. Um, and then so a I lot of fear too that sets in when you have a diagnosis like that as well. Thank you so much for hopping on. You have so much services and knowledge to share and spread with the world and specifically with women. You are helping women. You're empowering them because when someone is able to eat confidently and feel good in their bodies, they're going to be empowered. So um, thank you for the work that you're doing for, for us as women, um, which is really important. Yeah. One other thing, just because of the nature of this show, and I feel like it's important to talk about because it doesn't get talked about a yeah. lot, is that not only women get PCOS. What? That's a shocker for me. Let's, let's dive in there then. Okay. Yeah. So anyone who was assigned female at birth and had ovaries can develop PCOS. And so um, there are people who do not identify as female who have PCOS and they often get left out of the conversation. Wow. And you look at, you know, the branding of all of the major PCOS groups out there, it's all pink, everything. And, you know, it's all girl power and right. PCOS sisters and all right. of that. And so I, I do feel like it's important to be more inclusive in my language and, um, who, who I help and I'm speaking yeah. to. Um, so that's just something that, that I am very conscious and aware of um, in my messaging. And I, yeah. I don't see that very often. I do. It's, it's yeah. funny though with the terminology. Sorry, Sorry what? You know, it's funny with the terminology because I'm a women's health dietitian, but then it's like, okay, well, am I a reproductive hormones dietitian? But then I feel left out. Like I don't have children, you know, I have hormones that were yeah. not just for yeah. reproduction. So I feel like there's, we haven't quite honed in on like <laughs> menstrual cycle hormones, but then does that address people in menopause? Like, you know, it's, there's not a term. I don't think. Maybe one day there will be, but, but like, thanks for correcting me on that. I appreciate that because I honestly had no idea. So 
now I'm informed and our audience is informed as well. So I appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, that's why I always avoid cutesy language like, hey, girl, or like, you know, yeah. um, sister, C-Y-S-T-E-R-S is like a cutesy PCOS term. And it's like not something I would ever use. Thank you for hopping on. I appreciate it. You guys go follow her at the hormone dietitian on Instagram. She's also on dietitian your way and she also has her own website as well. Um, Melissa, what is your website? Yeah, it's the hormone and on Instagram, I'm just the dot hormone dot dietitian. Um, all my stuff is there. Yeah. Very nice. And for those of you guys who are listening in, you guys can follow us on YouTube. Um, and you guys can also follow us on uh, Podbean and also on Apple to listen to our podcast as well. It's been a pleasure talking to you, Melissa. Thanks so much for joining us. 